I concluded that this was the way that marriages worked. That's just what I mimicked. And you just had to agree all the time. That was what was in my head. Clearly, I'll also say my husband did not have this same image in his head. Welcome to the Covert Narcissism Podcast. I'm your host, Renee Swanson. Welcome back. Here I am again talking about covert narcissism and in specific parenting with a partner who is showing traits of covert narcissism. You know, these kids, they go through a lot and everyone has wounds from childhood. This is true. But understanding those wounds, being more educated about the wounds that, you know, we have from our own childhood better helps us to heal. Well, the same thing is true of our kids. The better we can understand what they are going through and the wounds that they are carrying, the better we are able to help them. I cannot express enough how important it is to live a life of growth, recovery, healing, uh, working on yourself, self-reflection, accountability, vulnerability, all of this in front of your own children. You see, children learn by mimicking those around them. They copy the behaviors uh, and find what works for them and what doesn't. So in this situation with a covert narcissistic parent, you already have one parent who is manipulative, passive-aggressive, hypersensitive, coercive, controlling. You have all of this going on, you know, overly reactive, taking no personal responsibility. And often in these homes, the non-narcissistic parent overcompensates. They're running around trying to fix everything. They're trying to control what their kids see and experience. They try to deny the reality that these kids are already living with the narcissistic parent, all in an effort to protect the child. We try to be perfect for them. What we are missing, though, is our kids don't need perfect. They need human. I'm Renee Swanson, your host of the Covert Narcissism Podcast. If you are watching this on YouTube or listening to this podcast, wherever you are today, please hit that subscribe button, that follow button, so that you can stay current on the material that we are providing. But not only that, you then help us to spread the word to more people. You are vital in this mission to reaching our world of people just like you who are living in this nightmare. And I've been doing a little series here on parenting with a covert narcissist and and the effects that this has on your child. And I'm going to wrap that series up today. Now, children mimic those around them. All right. We we see this when children mimic the behaviors of their parents, uh, the, the likes and the dislikes or the things that they say or all of these things that children do that mimic the people around them. Well, what do you want them to mimic from you? Think about it. Do you want them to mimic wearing themselves out, trying to be perfect for everyone? Do you want them to mimic making excuses for others and allowing bad behavior to just happen and sweeping it under the rug or allowing people to walk all over reasonable boundaries? Do you want them to have no boundaries and not know how to set healthy boundaries for themselves? Do you want them to put up an image that, you know, they have all the answers Do you want them to live like they are perfect? Or do you want them to be able to be vulnerable? Do you want them to be able to own their own shortcomings and mistakes? Do you want them to know that they're not perfect 
and to be able to give themselves grace? Do you want them to be able to face their own weaknesses without falling apart? Do you want them to be able to live without self-judgment and to give themselves space to grow? Then they need you to live this way in front of them. They need to see this in you. Okay, so what does that look like? Growing up, I never saw my parents argue. I never saw them fight. In fact, I'm not even sure I ever saw them disagree. So without being conscious of this, I concluded that this was the way that marriages worked. That's just what I mimicked. And you just had to agree all the time. That was what was in my head. Clearly, I'll also say my husband did not have this same image in his head. Um, He did not believe that this was the way marriages worked, and he did not, certainly did not choose to live this way. So I had to. This led straight into a marriage in which I had no boundaries. I just deferred to him on everything because deferring to him was the quickest and easiest way to make sure that we agreed. This is such a clear example of how my subconscious view of marriage from my childhood allowed me to not see the problems that were coming in my future. I quickly and very willingly gave over my identity to my husband, and he quickly and very willingly absorbed it. Kids mimic their parents' behavior. Having a better understanding of this now, there are some things I definitely would have done differently in their early years. I made changes as soon as I could. I made changes when I, when I figured it out, when I saw, when I learned, and when I started to grow. And it's never too late to make these changes, but I do certainly wish that I had done it sooner. What would I have changed? I would have been quicker to own my own shortcomings in front of my kids, admitting that I didn't have all the answers, admitting when I was afraid, worried, upset, or carried any other negative emotions. I would have not hid my negative emotions so hard. I would have drawn a boundary when I was overloaded. When I was overworked and I would have taken time to myself instead of being that hero mom that rushes in and fixes everything and does everything. What else would I have changed? I would have been more willing to show genuine vulnerability in front of my kids. Maybe letting my emotions show more in front of the kids like I just talked about. Age appropriate, of course. I would have given myself the space to be better in touch with my own feelings instead of pushing them aside to take care of everybody else first. I would have been living a life where emotions mattered. My emotions matter. Because you see, this gives the kids permission for their feelings to matter too. Living this way in front of them allows them, you know, to give themselves permission to feel their own emotions, to experience their own emotions, not to hide from them or shove them inside or keep them out of other people's awareness. Remember. They will mimic you. I would have given myself more grace. I would have been more patient with myself. I'm still learning this today. Okay, it is a journey of a lifetime, and I have no problem with that. I just wish that this piece of the journey, I would have started sooner. Now, I don't live with any regrets. Okay, that's another piece that I've got to throw in here on this. But I tell you so that you can go ahead and make these changes now, no matter where you are in your life as a parent. I would give myself more understanding when I wasn't perfect, especially when I couldn't solve everyone's problems, my kids or my husband's. 
Now, this models to the kids that they can be patient and understanding with themselves. I know that I said these words to my kids, have patience with yourself, okay? I tried to teach them this, but I wasn't living it myself. How we live in front of them is a much stronger lesson than the words that we say. Now, let's talk about boundaries. In a marriage between a covert narcissist and someone who enables, allows, keeps the peace, sweeps things under the rug, and all these other traits that goes along with what the world calls codependency. And if you missed my podcast episodes about codependency, please go back and listen to them because I do have a different take on these than what a lot of people out there in the world say. But when you're in this marriage where you have a covert narcissist and what I'm going to call you know, an enabler or what the world calls codependent, you have one parent who has harsh, hard boundaries with firm and sharp consequences. These boundaries are non-negotiable, and yet they change all the time. They're unpredictable. These boundaries may not always be clear to the kids, but they certainly know when they've crossed one. And what about the other parent? The other parent often overcompensates and ends up with no boundaries, giving in and deferring just to keep the peace. Paralyzed by the intense reactions by the other parent, they just give of themselves in any and every way that they can. For example, they take ownership of everyone else's feelings as though it's their responsibility and their job to fix. I know I certainly did. Well, who is living healthy boundaries in front of these children? No one. Remember, they mimic us, and who are they going to mimic? They're going to mimic the one with the harsh, firm boundaries with no flexibility, no humanness? Or the one with no boundaries, no care for themselves, and again, that's no humanness. Your path of healing and change leads the way for them to do this for themselves. Someday, it will come. Whether they realize it now or not, they need you to focus on your own healing. I cannot say that enough. No matter what age they are, from itty-bitties to grown adults with their own itty-bitties. So let's talk about these boundaries a little more specific. I'm not talking here about parent-child boundaries. I want to distinguish between parent-child boundaries and the boundaries we set as adults. When we set boundaries as parents for our children, these boundaries are to correct their behaviors. And we are the enforcers of these boundaries. We implement rewards and punishments. And the punishments, the whole purpose of punishments is to make our children care. Okay, we are, uh, we are implementing these boundaries as an element of control for our children. So what are these boundaries? They're things like, you know, don't hit others, don't play in the street, don't interrupt when people are talking, don't touch the stove. All of these are boundaries between a parent and a child. And these boundaries are for the purpose of correcting the child's behavior. They're boundaries to keep them safe. They're boundaries to help them to function in society around them. From a parent to a child, it makes sense that these boundaries are to shape the behavior of someone else. The parent is shaping the behavior of the child. Now, when we try to carry this type of boundary into adulthood, that doesn't turn out so well. Okay, adults shouldn't be setting parent-child boundaries for each other. Adults are responsible for their own behaviors. Well, how are we supposed to magically all of a sudden know how to go from parent-child boundaries to adult boundaries if we didn't see it lived in our parents? Adult boundaries are not about correcting the behavior of others. 
It's not a boundary to enforce with someone else. It isn't a boundary about the other person. Adult boundaries are for you. See, think of a parent-child boundary as a parent putting a child in a playpen. Okay, you've got this playpen. That's the boundary. The purpose of the boundary is to contain the child. It contains the child to keep them safe or to keep the, you know, the space around them safe if there's breakable things around them. It is an element of control here. But adult boundaries, they're different. Adult boundaries are more like locking your own house at night. This is for self-protection. You aren't controlling the behavior of others, but rather controlling your own environment. You're simply protecting yourself. It's about taking care of you. Adult boundaries are things we need to be teaching our children. Is those boundaries of what it will look like as they move into adulthood. They are for yourself. They're about choosing your behavior, your actions, your reactions, your thoughts, your feelings. Instead of, you will not treat me this way, the boundary is, I will not allow myself to be treated this way. Instead of, what will I do to make you stop? It's, what will I choose to do to protect and care about myself when you won't stop? We need to teach our kids these type of boundaries. And some of them we do. Proper boundaries about personal body. Okay, if someone touches you or makes you uncomfortable, you tell a safe adult. That's a boundary that we tell our children that is not about the child trying to control the adult's behavior, but it is about what the child will do when they are, you know, when their boundary is crossed. As a child, they're not putting an authoritative boundary down that, you know, they will not be responsible to enforce on this other person. They're not in charge of this other person but rather they're setting a boundary for themselves about what they will do. And they can enforce this of themselves. They're in charge of their own actions. But what about when someone says something that makes them uncomfortable? Often kids get told, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. This is absolutely not true. Words hurt. And your kids know this. Trying to convince your kids that words don't hurt is cognitive dissonance at its best. They know they hurt. And the lack of validation from you just encourages them to believe that something is wrong with them or their feelings. This is where self-protection boundaries, what I'm calling adult boundaries, come in. What boundaries are these? I will not take responsibility for the words and feelings of others. That's on them. We need to be teaching our kids that. I am not responsible for other people, including my parents. When they are being, you know, when other people are being mean, forgiving, controlling, that's on them. I can choose to walk away and not participate or engage. Now, some of these boundaries have to exist also between that parent and child. When a child is raised by a narcissistic parent, they are often quick to blame themselves for that parent's anger. Teach your children that the parent is responsible for themselves, even you. Teach them that they are not responsible for how that parent feels. And it's not their job to try to change or fix the parent. This is a boundary for the child. Help your child to be able to voice their own feelings. Respectfully, yes. Okay, there's no doubt that that is true but their feelings get a voice. So things you can practice with your kids, giving your feelings a name, happy, sad, angry, but as they get older, dive a little deeper into those emotional words, frustrated, 
disappointed, surprised, satisfied. Teach them to explore their own feelings with curiosity. Where in your body do you feel this one? What does it feel like? Can you give it a name, a color? Maybe if it were the weather, what kind of weather would it be like? Helping your kids to approach their own feelings with curiosity takes away some of the tendencies we have to judge ourselves for our feelings. Expressing, you know, to them your feelings without self-judgment, approaching your own feelings with curiosity, this leads the way for them to do it too. If you don't judge yourself for your own feelings, your kids are more likely to pick up on that and mimic that and thus not judge themselves. So let's go back to look at what some of these boundaries should look like for our kids and for ourselves. I will not judge myself for my own feelings, my own likes, my own interests. I will not try to change others. It's not my job. And I will not change myself for others. I will value myself. I will look at myself and decide for me who I want to be. I will distinguish between what I believe and what they believe. I will not value their beliefs about me over my own. Help children to see themselves outside of the eyes of that parent. When they say, you know, well, mom or dad thinks I could have done better. I'm such a failure. Well, ask them what they think. Do you think that missing that one goal in a soccer game is what it takes to be a failure? What does it mean to be a failure? Help your kids to verbalize this. Help them to say it. Help them to express it. And again, with curiosity, not judgment. Could they have gotten one more goal in that game? Sure. But help them to see that even if they could have done this one small bit better, it doesn't make them a failure. It doesn't make them wrong. It doesn't make them bad. Without their own personal boundaries, these kids learn to accommodate others. My world is peaceful so long as I am tap dancing around everyone else. They learn to keep those around them happy, to make others to look good. They learn to defer to others rather than voicing their own thoughts and feelings. They learn to take responsibility for other people and to blame the thoughts and the feelings and the actions of others around them. Give your children safety to work on setting boundaries with you. Being able to safely voice when they don't like a specific food or have a preference to not build the habit of just deferring to keep the peace. It is vital that you heal and preserve your own mental and emotional energy for your children. Children need parents that are emotionally regulated. Sadly, you cannot entirely protect them from their narcissistic parent, but you can absolutely be there for them. You can be their safe space, their anchor, their stability, but only if you take care of you. I wish you and your kids so much peace on your journey of healing. You have been listening to the Covert Narcissism Podcast with your host, Renee Swanson. Be sure to check out our website at www.covertnarcissism.com. There you will find many resources just for you to help you on this journey. You can also reach out to me by email at Renee, R-E-N-E-E, at cnglifecoaching.com. Those letters are C-N-G as in Covert Narcissism Group. I do look forward to hearing from you. I wish you so much peace on your journey of healing.
The information provided by Renee Swanson and the Covert Narcissism Podcast is for educational purposes only and is not to be used for diagnosis purposes and not intended to be a substitute for clinical care. Please consult a healthcare provider for guidance specific to your case. This material discusses narcissism in general. It does not claim that any specific person has narcissism and should not be used to refer to any specific person as having narcissism. Permission is not granted to link to or repost this material to support an allegation or a claim that any specific person is a narcissist. That would be an unauthorized misuse of the material and information provided.